Hi, Zick. <laughs> I've been waiting to do that for so long. Hi, Summer Ann. Yo. Do you know that you're the first person to ever say hi, Zick to I me do, in my entire I re- life? I do, because I remember asking you if anyone ever said hi, Zick to you. Hi, my name's Isaac Fitzgerald. And I'm Summer Ann Burton. And this is The Tell Show. And we have a great guest on today's show. Um, The theme of today's show is expectations versus reality. We're going to talk about that with comedian W. Kamau Bell. Yeah. He's going to talk a little bit about being a dad. What you're expecting versus what it's really like. I think that might be like the biggest expectations versus reality moment in most people's lives. Summer Ann, did your life, like where you are now, did your life turn out kind of the way you expected it to? I think that for me, this like plays out most in just having a, an adult job in thinking about money. I spent my 20s basically like working fun but very low paying jobs, you know, working at a bookstore, working at a toy store and hanging out with my friends all the time. And I was also always worried about money and had this expectation of what it would be like someday if I figured my shit out and had like a real grown-up person's job and I now have a job where like by most people's standards I shouldn't have to worry about money very much but I find myself constantly like okay first of all the idea that I would not worry about money was insane Mm -hmm. because like Mm -hmm. everyone worries about money millionaires probably worry about money more than I did when I was in my early 20s (laughs) (laughs) yep And also, like, there's a lot that I miss that I took for granted about that time in my life. Uh, Yeah, no, I I relate to that 100 percent. I very much miss the days when, like, what I was worried about was beer money. Yeah. Uh, And the the, the expectation versus reality of now, like, if I'm being totally open and honest with our listeners, is, like, I'm in debt for the first time in my life. It's, like, very weird for me. Like, I've actually got probably one of the best steady jobs, uh, definitely the best paying job I've ever had in my entire life but just like trying to navigate new york city where i have to live just Mm -hmm. to work this job uh makes for like a life of like of of a lot of different expectations that all of a sudden i find myself and don't get me wrong mom i know you're listening i'm working (laughs) on it girl paying it down mom don't sweat it too hard but but yeah and i mean that like what money is like changes as you get older i mean when i was in my early 20s worrying about money i was worried like you said i was literally worried about beer money like or am i gonna have enough money to like buy pot this month (laughs) and now i'm worried about like am i gonna have enough money for a down payment when i want to buy a house Mm -hmm. which i really want to do which is funny because i also think that like i have i haven't learned my lesson at all like i have so many expectations about like how cool my life will be when i buy a house <laughs> <laughs> when like one of your new problems is going to be like isaac has been on the couch for like 2 <laughs> months and like how is the play way to ask him to leave i'm going to love it <laughs> <laughs> Joining us today is W. Kamau Bell, comedian and co-host of the podcast, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. <laughs> and post... That was... I, so... I, let's keep it rolling. That, it's supposed to make you laugh. It's supposed to make you laugh. The name of the show ain't Frontline. Come on. <laughs> and host of United Shades of America, a new show coming to CNN this year. Um, so we like to play a little game on our show to loosen people up. 
Um, you may have played it before in uh, at a high school like church lock-in or some some kind of similar <laughs> experience. Wait, a high school or a church lock-in or a high school that is a church lock-in? What that's a either or both. Summer Ann didn't okay. go to school. Yeah, so she I, I'm confused really about how I didn't go to school or church. <laughs> I'm, so. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm confused All about right. how these things All work. Right. Um, it's called Never Have I Ever. Isaac, do you want to explain the rules? Yes. So Never Have I Ever is a simple game that I basically used to try and get as many makeouts as possible <laughs> in middle school, but where you say something that you yourself have never, ever done, and then the other person has to state whether they have or have not done it and then tell the story behind it. Because we're audio, instead of raising our hand or taking a sip of our drink, which is usually how you'd indicate it, we ring bells. <laughs> so do you want to start yeah i'll start so i'm gonna say something that i've never done and if you have done it you will ring your bell gentlemen never have i ever been skydiving oh two bells um kamal <laughs> you've been skydiving oh whoops i thought never no i'm oh. sorry i gotta I'm, I'm more excited about not agreeing with things than agreeing with things i'm sorry no i've never been skydiving can i i'd like to unring my bell <laughs> No, I think uh, I think <laughs> so. You wouldn't, you wouldn't ever skydive. Not unless the plane was on fire. <laughs> and even then, I'd be like, "Well, I had a good run." <laughs> uh, so, Isaac, you have been skydiving. I have. Uh, I'd actually quit a job at the Department of Justice, much to my parents' uh, dismay. Get home. I I know my dad wants to have a talk with me. What are you doing with your life, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I wake up that morning. My father walks into my room, kind of hits my bed, and says, "Get up." And I'm like, all right, here we go. Time to man up. He gets in the car, uh, and we just go driving. All of a sudden, we're at an airfield. And he's like, it's my birthday soon. I want to go skydiving. Yes, right? (laughs) And so we put on our parachutes. We get on this old, old rickety plane with, like, no door. And this guy, like, the guy, because the first time you jump, you have to go tandem. And he seems really fired up. And he's just like, okay, listen, we're going to hit the door. I'm going to... Hit your shoulders. You're going to do three, one, two, three somersaults right in midair. Then I'm going to hit you, and you're going to go flat. You're just going to starfish out, man. Then I'm going to lean into your left, and we're going to do one, two, three spins like that. And then I'm going to lean to your right. You're going to do one, two, three spins like that. Then I'm going to hit your shoulders again, and I want you to bullet toward the earth. (laughs) Then, my man, do me a favor. You got to pull the cord. And uh, he pushes me out, and we did everything exactly exactly as he said it was supposed to be and as i'm wow. bulleting towards yeah the one last thing i ever got was he hit hit me on the shoulders again as we were bulleting and i did not pull that cord at all he's like here's what we're gonna do my man and then finally we're gonna plunge to the ground and die that's it, the whole thing here's how it's gonna work my man uh, then you're gonna meet jesus all right i thought going into this that i wanted to go skydiving someday but i'm i've now changed my mind w do you want to go next Mine is not not as exciting, but never have I ever broken a bone. That was Isaac again. Uh, you've never broken a bone, somewhere? Never. Wow, W. <laughs> Kamau Bell, you have never broken a bone. No, and I always I had bone breaking envy as a kid because it always looked like it was so much fun to get the cast uh, and yeah. have people write on you. Find out who's your friend. Yeah. Yeah. You'd make new friends. People would start conversations with you. You wouldn't feel so alone. I probably said too much. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a tough child, then, huh? And I, I tried several times. I did a lot of things. I mean, I wasn't jumping out of planes, but I did a lot of things where I thought, "Oh, I think I broke." And they're like, "No, it's a sprain." Or maybe my mom just didn't have good insurance. She just told me everything was. Spring, <laughs> but no, I never, I never got the the feel. I always want now that now I'm a grown person. I think it sounds horrible, but as a kid, yeah. I really had a lot of bone breaking envy. All right, my turn to share. 
Uh, never have I ever quit or walked out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of rings. <laughs> Is that something weird? You have done that a lot of times. How, how have you never quit a job, Isaac? You seem like you would quit a lot of things. You seem like a quitter. I always give two weeks notice and am <laughs> respectful. Yeah, so wait, so two weeks notice doesn't count as quitting. So you mean No, like... I'm sorry. I meant, I, yeah, I meant like I've never done that moment where you're just like, fuck this, I'm out. I worked at a bookstore for years that was like a very fulfilling job, but I didn't make any money. And so I, I left and on good terms and I went to be a receptionist for like a very hoity-toity hair salon. And it was horrible, but it was really good money. And I did it for three months. And then I started dating this. I was in my like late 20s. This was like an early attempt to be more of an adult. And I started dating this 20-year-old dude. <laughs> who um, who was, like, in a prog rock band and, like... Nothing says adult maturity <laughs> like prog rock. Yep. And banging a 20-year-old. Yeah, I started dating this guy, and, like, he was such a fun loser, and he he got fired from his job, like, two weeks after we started dating for being an asshole, uh, like, to customers, and he started living this life of just like driving around all day, every day, like going to comic book stores, like eating cartons of ice cream. And I lasted maybe four days into that before I was like, fuck, I want this to be my life too. And so I like just didn't show up for my job and then spent like two months unemployed, just like having sex, eating ice cream, watching Batman, having a great time. You sought yourself, Robin. The slightest impact was sufficient to instantly reduce them to antimatter. <laughs> total loser. <laughs> Until you have That's, no money. I don't know. To me, that sounds like total winner. <laughs> <laughs> Ice cream, sex, yeah. and Batman. Yeah, Party it was. One. It was cool. I quit. I had a job at um, this place in it was in Chicago. It was called. It was Michael Jordan's restaurant, appropriately named Michael Jordan's <laughs> restaurant. Because uh, Michael Jordan. Just in case there was any re- confusion. Yeah, because they didn't want anybody to be like, "Is this Michael Jordan?" <laughs> yes. But the funny thing, it could. It was actually called technically. It was called the restaurant, even though it was called Michael Jordan's restaurant. They couldn't write Michael Jordan's restaurant on the building because Nike owned the name Michael Jordan. So it was Michael Jordan's restaurant, but we would sell T-shirts of the restaurant. That was just a building that said the restaurant on it, and all day. T- and I worked in the. I didn't work in the restaurant. I worked in the gift shop at Michael Jordan's restaurant. Oh Jesus! So all day tourists would be like, I- "Can I get a T-shirt?" And you would hold them this T-shirt that just had a brick building that said the restaurant. They're like, but I need. Why doesn't it say Michael Jordan? And we weren't allowed to tell them because of oh, international no. business, <laughs> because they- because the copyright of Michael Jordan's name is owned by the Nike Corporation. We had to be like, ah, oh, it's just cooler that way. It's just everybody will know. And I was and I worked there because I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And I had this idea that at some point Michael Jordan would come through and be. And this is when he was still playing. Like that he would come through and be like, you know, you know what? Here's some courtside tickets. And also, why don't you just come by my house and hang out sometime? Uh, you're tall, and uh, so I just I thought that I was just like I'm just going to work here and just hold it. And then one day I came into I, one day I was at work. I hated the job. Uh, they cut us early because they weren't selling enough T-shirts that said the restaurant on them. And I went home, and the next day I came back, and they went, Michael Jordan came by yesterday, <gasps> and he got us all to the office, and he got us all to the office. No. And, the, oh. and so then the next day I woke up to work, and I was like, 
I ain't going back to that bullshit. <laughs> so I just didn't show up. I, I, like, I think the alarm goes off. This is the best thing about quitting, Isaac. I recommend this. Your alarm goes off that says it's time to go to work, and you look at the clock and go, nope, yeah. and you just go back to sleep. That's the, the best, best sleep you've had. It's so That good. sleep, the I quit sleep, is the best sleep you'll ever have in your life. I recommend you do that. This BuzzFeed thing ain't going nowhere. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How long is this going to last? On this episode of The Tell Show, we're going to talk about the theme expectations versus reality. And I think specifically, Kamau is going to talk a bit about being a parent. And I think that that's an area where there are a lot of expectations and the reality is often very surprising. To start, I'm curious, you have two children now. And, and always. There will never be yeah. more than two. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I want to start by sort of rewinding, like, where, and this will sort of, I think, you know, set us up to talk more about this, but where were you in your life when your first daughter was born? Uh, it was 2011. So my wife is, is younger than me, so which when we met, I was like, oh, this is great. I have years to avoid adult responsibility because <laughs> she is so much younger than me. Even was that, she also she, in a prog rock band? <laughs> she was in a prog rock band. Yes, she was. So, she no, she's a, she's actually a modern dancer, which a contemporary dancer, which is the prog rock of dance. Mm-hmm. It's all about things that you're like, I know this is technically complicated, but I don't really understand what's happening. <laughs> uh, so she was younger than me, so then at some point she hit... Uh, that age where she goes, I always told myself I'd have a baby by this age, and so we need to. It's and we were married; we'd been married two years, and so it's like it's time to get that baby thing started. And so I remember the sex that we had that led to the baby because it was like the first time that we were like, uh, like trying to do it. So first of all, you just found out I'm very potent. Yeah, so, no kidding. First uh, time, and she, <laughs> one and her eggs are all kitchen. Yeah, so. <laughs> We and I, so I remember being like, "Okay, here we go." Like the first <laughs> did, time. Did I've you ever, do that voice? Does that uh, sound really was, sexy? Absolutely, in my head, I was like, hey, <laughs> "What's uh, yeah? It's sexy, right?" It's yeah, definitely. So, I, so I, and then like way sooner than I thought, my wife was like, "Well, I'm pregnant," and she'd never been pregnant before. It's like, "What are you?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" And so at that point in 2011, I was living in San Francisco. Had developed a following here, was doing this one-man show, WTM Bell Curve, ending racism about an hour. But I wasn't any sort of place to like, oh, it's time to, I like, let's have a baby because I have, I can totally make a baby's life happy. You know, it was definitely <laughs> like a, how is this going to work? <laughs> and she was a grad student at the time. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so that's- So you know, lots of money. Grad student and unfamous comedian. So were you banking on having like you're like, all right, let's give this a go, but it'll probably take a year. Yeah, I thought I just every everything you hear about is it doesn't happen right away. Right. I was down to have a kid, but I just thought there would be a period of like that I would be able to sort of settle into the idea. Right. And that didn't happen. And and I I remember Chris Rock said this. This is before I saw him on this before I met him. He was, but he's I remember seeing him on Bill Maher show. It's like if you wanna if you wanna make more money, get married. If you wanna make more money, have kids. Like the idea that like the pressure of those things will make you force mm-hmm. you to to make and it actually I totally feel like it's true. Like the minute my wife got pregnant, I'm like, I guess it's time to turn professional. <laughs> like I guess it's time to actually like and like all at the same time that my wife was pregnant, I was working on the pilot for the T V show and then wow. pitch and then he pitched T V show. So it was certainly a thing where I felt like the having of a kid made me sort of take this sort of career and go, Okay, I actually need to figure out a way to actually put food on the table for everybody, not just for myself and let my wife scrounge. 
<laughs> when you're married with no kid, you're like, you're like, you want, you want some of this burrito? No, you know, it's, you know, it's not. It doesn't seem that serious. But you know, when you have a kid, it's like we need to have food on the table every day. So yeah, it was absolutely a thing where like, you know, that the pressure of a child made me take everything more. Just everything seems more severe. Everything right. seems clearer. Yeah. I guess in those early years, or even the first maybe three months that your daughter was born after your daughter was born like what were the most surprising things like the things that you expected to be one way and it was totally different <laughs> i remember the i remember uh, the, the this things that you, learning not to freak out like i right. think that's a big one like you ever uh, f- uh, my friend you know nato green isaac yes i do he said that the the weirdest part about having a kid at when you have the kid at the hospital is when they're like you're surrounded by hospital people for like however long it takes 24 hours what you know three days whatever it takes and then there's a moment where they just hand you the kid and go, bye. <laughs> and you're, you're like, like, what do you mean, bye? <laughs> <laughs> and they just go, go home. Like, all the only thing they, you have to do to leave is to have a car seat. If you have a car seat, then, like, good luck now. And there's no sort of decompression chamber out of the hospital back right. into regular life. And suddenly, you know, we walked outside into the San Francisco air, which you haven't been outside of. You haven't been, and it just feels like. And my wife is like, why is everybody moving in such a hurry? Like she's suddenly like the old man from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> when did the world get itself in such a damn hurry? Like she, <laughs> and, and they're like, and just everything. She's like, you know, she's all because she just had a baby, and she's she. I mean, really, a woman who had a baby should be allowed to lay around in a hospital for a couple of weeks while it all sort of you know whatever. But nope, not healthcare in America. I think it's a little bit like training for war and then being in war. Like it's just like it's mm-hmm. not. You can't train enough to actually get the idea of what's happening. So and then at some point early with my daughter, I was changing her diaper, and this was probably within the first month. And this is a, a graphics graphic alert. <laughs> I was changing her diaper, and blood was coming from her vagina. And I was just like, oh. And here's the thing: my wife's in the other room. I'm like, if I tell her this is happening, we're gonna be at the hospital, <laughs> like you know. And I kind of feel like I should. I just. I my daughter does not upset. Nothing bad seems to be happening. But there is blood coming. But I, I, so this is a weird thing, like, to choose not to tell my wife that that wow. happened. And so I looked it up, and apparently that's a thing that maybe they should tell you at the hospital, that sometimes little girls bleed from their little baby vaginas when they're born because it's some sort of weird hormone dump that comes out of their little baby wah-wahs. Oh, and nobody And nobody tells you because it doesn't happen that it's apparently it's like a, you know, I don't this... know what the percentage is, but it's not often enough. But it's just this thing where you're like... Hey, somebody hand me a pamphlet on the way out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Somebody should have told you that. That's the reality. So this is a very educational episode of our show for all you future parents out there. That was not expected. But again, if you could have just brought a couple of those nurses home. Yeah, just, just a nurse to stand over your shoulder and go, that's fine. Nope, that's weird. No, nope, get get in the hospital. Get in the car. Get in the car. Get in the car. You know, like something to like. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is at some point, like, and I, you know, my wife might say differently, but like things where you go, I don't need to tell my wife about this. Like, you know, like things where you just go, you know, and then later, like months later, I was like, did you know, like somehow in some conversation, yeah, it was weird when Sam was born, blood came out. What? Oh, yeah, it's fine. I looked it up. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I think I told her a lot later because it was just this thing that had stuck in my head for a long time because it was just a moment of like, what is going on? Uh, how has it been being a performer? Is the, the lack of a steady income, is that scary is that do you get to work weird interesting hours like what is it like being a performer and how does that tie into being a father 
I mean, it 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 is scary only because there's no year to year. Like you know, like I have this new CNN show coming out, but you know how that works. And I've had this happen before, where you go, "This will be the last job I ever have in show." Oh, what? No. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's canceled. Okay. I mean, I, it's hard to complain about show business because it's show business, but it is still like I'm trying to make sure that my I sort of know that no matter what happens, I'm going to figure something out because that's sort of the people. My, that's how my mom is. That's how my dad. I'll figure something out. You know, I I always tell myself I have no shame. If it comes down to it, I will go down to Starbucks and I'll ask for an application. Like I'm not. I'm not You'll go you know, back to the Michael Jordan restaurant. I, I'll go back to Michael Jordan's <laughs> restaurant and I will apologize. I was like, we heard the BuzzFeed podcast. I am sorry. They made me say that. They made me say, I think it's a good idea not to put the name Michael Jordan in the restaurant. That's a hack thing to do. That's so hack to put the name of the person who owns the restaurant in the restaurant. So I know that I'm going to, whatever's going to happen, I'm going to bust my ass and figure it out. So I'm not really worried about that. It's just about what level to which. And then what can I provide for my kids? Like we're, t- we're picking schools now. And it's like having two African-American lady babies. I feel like it's important to put them in the best schools available because otherwise they're going to start behind the finish line, <laughs> behind the starting line. Uh, so it's like trying to figure out how to get them everything I think they need to prepare them for the world while at the same time not having the kind of job that makes me the victim of a cats in the cradle type song. You know what I'm saying? Is there, uh, and your wife is white. Yes, she is. What is it like raising a mixed race family in 2016? And what does it mean for you as a performer? What does it mean for you as a father? Well, first of all, the jokes I've written are hilarious about it. So that's, <laughs> I think, <laughs> some of the best stuff I've ever written is about is about my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I have a lot of jokes. It's, it's fun to uh, have that. It's because you think about it so much. It's fun to have that stuff to draw on and talk about. But it's also because otherwise I wouldn't know what to do with the stories that sort of come out of having a mixed-race kid. Because, And I live in the Bay Area where there are other mixed-race kids. But people have super crazy reactions when they see mixed-race kids. Like there's just sort of like either there's like the stare of like, how did that happen? Or there's the like, oh my God, she's so adorable. Look at her, look at her, look at her, look at her. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, this thing, as I say in my act, it's like the first time you saw an iPad. Oh my God. <laughs> it's from the future. I didn't know I wanted one until I saw one. Look at her. <laughs> and so it's just this thing where it's like she knows she's half her mom and half me. She knows her mom is a different color than I am and she's a different color, my four and a half year old. And slowly we have to sort of go, and here's what all that means. While at the same time going, but we don't actually know what it means for you because neither one of us is mixed, you know. So, And also the identity of what it is to be mixed in America. That identity is a bigger growing identity, so that will probably be changed over the course of the next 10 or 15 years so that it will evolve to some new thing of how people talk about it. So, so I, yeah, it's, it's really – I feel like we're all learning on our feet about it. While at the same time, the thing that I've learned most is like not to shy away from talking to her about – uh, issues of race and even racism in a way that she can understand because kids will let you know if they don't understand because they'll say I don't understand like <laughs> you know so it's like you can sort of go oh let me try that again or let's you know so what I've learned is that you can tell kids anything because they don't know anything mm-hmm. all all they are is sponges for information so you can tell them anything and they'll try to figure out a way to make it make sense because that's what they're they they are here to figure out what's going on in the world so they're not going to be like that's too much information I can't really handle that right now right. they're going to try to synthesize it I mean what is a conversation with your four and a half year old daughter about race like she I mean first of all she brought it up first because she realized she was a different color than her mom but she had no judgment about it she was like she would just hold her hand up to her mom's and then she thought me and her were the same color even though we're closer to the same color spectrum but she's much lighter than I am and so she said she thought me and her were the same color she's like me and dada are the same color 
And weirdly, I was like, yay. You know, like it was like, because <laughs> that's what race does. It screws you up. And I was like, yay, she and things were the same color. And then at some point she realized that like she was lighter than me. And so we were, and we've been, since she was been a baby, we've been reading these books. There's a woman named Selena Alco who writes books about mixed race families because she has a mixed race family. There's a book called Peanut Butter Baby Brother. Uh, about a kid whose dad is black and his mom is white, and he's peanut, he calls himself peanut butter colored. So Sammy, from reading that book, started calling herself peanut butter colored, and she said I was chocolate colored. And then we were like, "What color is Mama?" And we were like, sort of suggesting things. And she was like, mm. "And we're like peaches and cream, no." And we're like sandcastle, no. She's like oatmeal, which is the <laughs> least fun color to be. <laughs> Were you again like, yeah? Well, I was like, I, I, what I said was like, I think that's the first case of reverse racism I've ever actually heard of. Because <laughs> nobody likes oatmeal unless you put some chocolate and peanut butter in it. <laughs> so, and so it was this funny thing where she, so she recognized it, and so that gave us the inroads into talking about it. But then at some point, we realized that we needed to talk about racism because those are two different discussions. Race is like, you're that color and I'm that color, but racism is like, what does that mean? And so I w- literally went on Amazon and typed in like, Harriet Tubman for kids, <laughs> like, you know, like, and, wow. and found a book that's like a, a, it's a, it's a biography of Harriet, Tub- Harriet Tubman written for children. The idea being that now my daughter under- has heard the word slavery before she gets to school and some teacher talks about it in a way that I'm not comfortable with or not there to sort of help clear it up with her, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We just have three final questions that we ask every guest. All right. Summer Ann, do you want to start us off? Sure. So what was your last kiss like? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a little wet. Uh, it was like <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit too much lip, uh, but, uh, but also uh, totally awesome and adorable. <laughs> Can I ask, was that one of your kids? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's this homeless guy outside on my way in. I, that's what I love about you, man. You're just kissing everyone, just yeah, so just, open. That's how it's coming to Oakland now. We're just kissing everybody. I love it. All right, so the next question is, when was the last time you cried? Uh, last time I cried? Oh, God. Huh. Okay, I know I full-on cried when I went to see the movie Creed with my mom. Mm-hmm. And in the scene where Adonis Creed is... They do the whole thing where he runs through the city and he's surrounded by the guy, the black guys on on dirt bikes in a circle, mm-hmm. and then he's screaming at Rocky about how he's going to win the fight and everything. So yeah, like it was a very that's an intense movie. Especially to me, that movie is about Black Lives Matter without ever saying that, without ever using the hashtag. And so to me, it's a very intense movie about the value of black male life in this society. And my mom totally got it as she was watching it. She started to cry, and I looked at her, and and then I was like, "What are you doing crying?" Which of course made me cry. So our last question is open to interpretation. The question is, uh, what's wrong with you? I just, I don't, I procrastinate and I, I, I'm not good at organizing my time. So then things get to the point where I haven't prepared enough and then I have too many things going on and I get really stressed out and cranky. And it also, then I also forget to eat. So it just becomes a huge shame and anger and sadness spiral. It, that would be better if I just sort of planned ahead. So it's not a good trait. It's hard to have. That's why I'm not a great person. <laughs> like, but, so like, <laughs> but I'm a great dad. Kamal, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. W. Kamal Bell is a comedian and co-host of the podcast Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period. He has a new show, United Shades of America, coming to CNN this year. 
Next time on The Tell Show, we're going to talk about coming out. We sent out one of our producers, Julia Furlon, to ask people for their coming out stories. What is my coming out story? Um, I didn't mean to come out. Uh, my mom came into my room and asked me if I was gay. So I was like, well, I'm thinking about it. Maybe. I don't know. And then a couple days later, she like gave me a hug, and we didn't talk about it again for two to three years. So I ended up telling my twin sister, uh, like my sophomore year of college, in a Facebook message. And I think I, think I phrased it, I'm not gay, but... Like, I'm not gay, but... I, I have a crush on girls sometimes, but I was still super in denial and sort of embarrassed about it. I decided to come out to my mom right before the second semester of my senior year in high school. And she already knew and anticipated the conversation. And we hugged, we cried, and it was very sweet. The next day, my pastor showed up to our apartment. And we talked about how I was feeling. I said that I knew this for a long time. And my pastor presumes that I am troubled and something needs to be fixed. Um, but his ultimate suggestion to me was that I become a eunuch. Which, for people who don't know what that means, is someone who dismembers their manhood in order to focus on something that they think is a spiritual goal or emotional goal or whatever the case might be. And he said that, and I was like, hell no. <laughs> my mom even kind of looked at him at that point and was like, I did not bring you here to tell my son that he can become a eunuch as a way to fix his sexuality. Now it's a laugh and it's a story, but at the time it was a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, confusion. And uh, the whole family's okay with it. And more importantly, I'm okay with it. Like looking back at that Facebook message being like, you know, I'm not, I like girls, but it's like, no, I like girls. I'm gay. Like, that's okay. When I was 18, we finally started talking again about it. And now she's super cool and loves my girlfriend and loves everyone I know and doesn't give a shit about what, anything. <laughs> I don't know if we've gotten closer or if it's just how it should be, right? With your parent, your mom, it should have always been this way. So in that sense, we're closer from what we were before, but I think now we're finally at that normal rate. The Tell Show is produced by the always awesome Meg Kramer. With editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss-Berman and production help from Julia Furlon and Eleanor Kagan. Thanks so much to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios for recording the show. And thanks to Love, Inks, who composed our music. If you have a story to share about coming out or about how your life turned out exactly the way you expected it to, or not, email us at thetellshow at buzzfeed.com.